This is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast for October 16th, 2017. Can you program the game 20 questions on the computer? My guest today told me about one of her middle school students who did. I'm Pius Wong, and for this episode, I met with Julia Lamorell at a coffee shop here in Austin, Texas. Julia is one of the co-founders of Kiwi Compute, a new education business based here in Austin that teaches kids how to program in Python, a major text-based programming language. Hear all about it next. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here yeah. because you've got a unique experience, I think. You've started an education uh, venture here in Austin, Texas, yep. and uh, I've met you before. In fact, I <laughs> saw you do your business pitch here in Austin a few days ago, yeah. but um, I think a lot of people listening may not know who you are or what you do. Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, so uh, my name is Julia Lamorell, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Kiwi Compute. And basically what we do is we work with middle schoolers and teach them Python, which is a programming language, backend. And for me, it's really important to teach them to be confident learners. So teaching them through coding is really great because it builds their confidence. Uh, they're excited to continue learning. And typically, we partner with after-school programs. We go during the day to schools. Uh, we teach private lessons. And for me, I just want every kid to be exposed to coding in some capacity. Mm, cool. Now, so you are a business. Yes. But you have an education focus. Yes. Tell me about the target audience or who are you serving? Sure. So I want every kid to learn to code, which means that is from every background, every demographic. And I think it's really important that kids that are in low-income areas learn to code because, you know, for them it gives them a way to determine their own path because you can learn coding from anywhere. There are so many free tools out there that they can learn programming from their computer, at the library, at school, and then really determine their own path. They can go to, you know, ACC and continue learning. They a can community go, college here. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so they can go to a community college and continue that learning. They can even go straight into a job if they're really good. And sometimes for kids, that's that's the best option, which I think is great to give them more choice. Yeah. What age group are you looking to serve? Yeah, so we work mostly with middle schoolers. I've gotten before feedback that that's a really interesting age to choose and that you know, oh, middle schoolers can't learn to code. And that is so wrong. People say that? They do, yeah. They, they're they like, oh, are you sure that they... I mean, because we're teaching them how to write code. Uh -huh. And so they're writing Python. And there's a lot of block coding out there, which is the drag and drop. And the it's, pictorial or visual method. Okay. Yeah, so Scratch, Hour of Code. And those are really great tools to teach kids to code or get interested. But then they need to move on to actually writing code and most people introduce that in high school. Mm -hmm. So that's where like AP computer science and things mm -hmm. like that. But the challenge with that is that middle schoolers, that age is when kids lose interest in computer science. And so by the time they get to high school, half the people aren't even interested anymore. So you have to reach them at a younger age, get them excited so that when they're in high school, they want to continue. So when you were creating this business or this program, you mm -hmm. saw that there was this gap. There's evidence mm -hmm. for this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And middle school is a really tough age and very awkward. Uh, and they're very quirky and just, 
it's tough age. And so it's often overlooked. And so people either focus at a younger age or at an older age. Uh, But middle school is often skipped a little bit. Okay. And so you explained why computer science is important for everyone. You explained why you're focusing on middle school. Yep. Then you also talked about how you teach specifically Python, which is that text-based, you said back-end language. What's a back-end language? So for the, to make it very simple, front end is what you visually see on the computer and then back end is what's running the actual website or program i mean so, so very it's, it's basic. doing stuff it's not yeah. just um the, like the colors the and things okay yeah and so you're teaching kids python which mm-hmm. helps control all of these inner yes. workings of the program yeah okay. and just for reference python is used in snapchat it's used in uh, youtube um, it's one of the top three languages that tech companies look mm-hmm. for today and we don't necessarily tell our kids that because i don't think they really care about getting a job right away at dell <laughs> or wherever they're more sure. focused on oh snapchat that's really awesome yeah. um but for python we picked it because Syntax-wise, it's one of the easier languages to start with. A lot of the kids we work with don't really know how to type very well. And so you need to start with the most basic language possible. And you can do a lot of really cool stuff with Python pretty quickly. Like if you teach them the basics, you can do a lot with them. Like I've had kids build their own calculators and build, you know, really cool projects with Python after just a few weeks. And that's very empowering to them, but it's also challenging them and there's different levels. So I can, you know, push them if they get it really quickly and they can go off and build really cool things. So it sounds like even though Python might have a little bit simpler syntax, the complexity can be, it it can be as difficult as you want it to be. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes kids do get bogged down by the little things in programming. And so if you can start with a language that is a little easier to understand, then you can add in more complexities over time. And the great thing with programming is that just like Spanish or Italian or French, when you know one, you can move to another fairly quickly because the concepts are similar. And so if they learn Python, they can move very, very a lot more quickly to a front-end language or to a different language if that's what they want to do. Do you see that? Do you see some of the kids in your program being, hey, I want to learn C++ or I want to learn JavaScript or something like that? So I've worked with kids that have actually, it's the other way around. So they started with a different language and they came oh, wow. to yeah. Python. Yeah. Um, or they came from scratch or hour of code. And then Python is the first time they're writing a language. Um, I've had some some girls that I've worked with in private lessons start asking like, what's the, like, what's the best way to hack something? I'm like, oh my gosh, what? Yeah, <laughs> why you, are you asking? <laughs> yeah, it's you gotta go, what thing. do they want to do? Yeah. yeah, we talked about what is a good hacker versus a bad hacker. That's cool. so you're so. teaching computer literacy in a way. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's good that they're asking those things because it means that they're curious, yeah. right? And middle schoolers are very curious. They want to know like, what I don't know what is what is a white hacker and what is a what does it mean to do this and so um, I find that good that they want to pursue it more and they're interested in looking things up on their own and googling things and solving problems it's great it's really good going back to Python one of the things that I've noticed and I've heard from other people is that yeah, yeah it can be a little easier to program in it but that setting it up in the first place 
could be difficult possibly that yeah. and what i mean by that is for people who may not have set up python before maybe they have to install a bunch of software yeah. get some libraries going in there start yeah. working in unix commands or whatever yes how do you how does kiwi compute streamline that process of just getting the python environment set up and how could other schools streamline that process that is a really great great question um so when i teach private lessons i walk through the setup with them and it's a it takes a little bit of time yeah. but i think it's important to show them that and to have someone there to guide them through it mm -hmm. for our classes though we actually have an online browser that we use so it runs python online and that way you don't have to download anything because what we found is downloading Python, dealing with a text editor, it really confuses kids and you have to teach them all these other pieces to even run the code. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we wanted to make it as easy for them as possible to just type code in, run it and see what comes out. So we actually created, if you go to app.kiwicompute.com, you can run any code online okay. and see it from any computer. And that'll be up. I can put a link to that in yeah, this episode. Yeah, and, it's, all right. it's up. Um, it's also on our website as a tab. And so that really helps us because kids can, you know, we can go into a nonprofit and be teaching and kids can save their code and then just, you know, open it back up another class and not have to, not necessarily be on the same computer. Yeah which is important because a lot of our kids don't even have a computer at home right, or they're right. transitioning to different computers. Hmm. And so that's actually how we kind of avoided that problem because it is a yeah, it is it, a challenge. It is neat. And I know that even the IT departments at school districts, they have to deal yeah. with IP yes. and doing things over server <laughs> if they have Chromebooks, but right. you're kind of bypassing this. Right. Then, okay. Well, and also with Chromebooks, you know, you can't download anything. Exactly, right. And so that was another thing we had to work through. Okay. And so if you can run it in the browser, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And the other challenge is say we downloaded it at school, they wouldn't have it at home and they would have to replicate the process. And I was like, well, that's not going to work really either. Hmm. So how's that going then? It, does that work well? It does. Yeah. I do think that when you get to higher level programming, like classes and things like that, um, you, which is a programming term, um, you, I don't think the text editor can run that or the online application can run that. Okay. But at that point, I mean, I'm hoping that by the time we get to that level, we can download Go it. And, yeah. And Cause that. I, I do think it's important to download Python and be working, you know, and actually doing it like a programmer would do it, but there's a time and place for it. So maybe in our second level or third level, we actually walk through, Hey, this is what it would look like to download it. Here's when you have a problem. Here's different commands. Here's how you move through folders, things like that. So for an adult teacher who mm -hmm. may not know how to code in Python or set up Python, yes. would you recommend a similar method? Learn how to code in Python first before getting bogged down and in installing the environment or? Yeah, I think for teachers, it's a little easier. I mean, I have found that it can be overwhelming. <laughs> like there's so many pieces to it and, yeah. you know, having to download it and figure out like what version of python do i download and where is that and what does that look like it's and more complicated than installing arduino is yeah. what i realize yeah and if you don't have someone to ask yeah. yeah and then you start looking things up online and you're like i don't know what to do and then you just kind of stop so i would say to start with an editor that's online first however there are a lot of free tools out there that will walk you through it so if you do want to do that there are a lot what are some good resources that people can look for or that you use in your program? 
So learn Python the hard way is amazing. It's, it sounds already you... intimidating. I've never seen it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I So it was free up until I want to say a month or two ago, but you can buy an, you know, forever you have it. Uh, I think it's like $10 and it walks you through lesson by lesson, really spelled out. And he gives you, he pushes you and challenges you to like try different projects. He walks you through how to download Python, which version to do. Um, you can even email him. Is this like an online class? Yes. Okay. It's not even a class. It's just self, self-learning. So like lesson one is print statements and you walk through it and then he has you write out code and see what it like does. Um, code Academy is good. Um, it just depends on how much time you're willing to give to it. But I think if you give five or 10 hours a week, you can, you can get pretty far over time. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges that teachers face in engineering, in computer science, in every subject is differentiation. When sure. kids have come into class at different starting levels. Yes. And you were saying that you teach kids um, that kind of have different starting levels of computer science. How do you deal with that? Yeah, so what we do is we have about two teachers in every classroom, depending on the number of kids. And the reason being is we want to have a good teacher-student ratio because we do have those students that are really advanced or it takes a little bit of time to get get whatever concept we're teaching. And so one teacher will be up front you know, walking through a lesson or discussing something with the class. And then another teacher will be walking around, you know, chatting with kids, helping them like catch up or challenging them. So we'll have in our lesson plans, we incorporate challenges for kids. So like, okay, so-and-so is really far ahead. We're going to see, can they figure this piece out? And so that kind of allows us to reach that range of kids. Okay. Yeah, because we see that a lot. I'm also thinking about marketing essentially there's two levels of marketing i'm thinking of one is there's that question of how do you get kids interested in your program or in coding Mm -hmm. in the first place and the second level is you've already got these kids Mm -hmm. how do you keep them engaged in a text-based programming course so those are two questions maybe we'll tackle the first one how do you get kids or parents in this case or their teachers interested in doing an after-school program or an in-school program Mm -hmm. like this so there's a we get a, a different types of kids that come in. So we get the kid that has been doing Scratch, Code.org, or even has like dabbled a little bit in actually programming. And their their parent and the kid are, are looking for something new. And they're like, okay, I'm ready to move on. Don't really know what to do. And so they come to us and say, hey, can you help us You know, learn to actually write code? So we get that group of kids. But then we get a group of kids where their parents just know they're really smart and they're really driven and they're really excited, but maybe sports aren't for them or, you know, they just want something new for their kid. And so they put them in our program and the kids usually warm up to it really quickly because it's challenging for them. I mean, programming is problem solving and it's logic. And so kids that are like that just really get it. Um, So they might not have thought they would like it, but they end up really gravitating towards it. So you're looking for problem solvers or kids who mm-hmm. really would like or benefit from 
yeah. problem solving. But then we also have kids that are really creative. Like over the summer, we worked with a group of kids and all of them wanted to just create these stories yeah. with programming, which was really cool to uh, see. What does that mean? How like, would that turn out? <laughs> like they wanted to do, use print statements to uh, talk about unicorns and, and this cupcake story. And it was it was great, though. I'm like, you I know, if, read that story. Yeah, okay. if, if that's what you want to code, <laughs> that's fine. You know, we in our classes, we talk a lot about how coding is just I don't use this word, but a vehicle for them to pursue their passion. So, you know, if you're interested in dance, or you're interested in volunteering with animals, use coding as a way to further that interest it's just a tool it's not the end it's just the way to get to where you want to be you're kind of answering the second part of that question that i posed Mm -hmm. how do you keep kids engaged in the curriculum once you've already got them in the seats so what i like to say is that games like gamification so making you know programming really exciting where you have like scratch that's what scratch is right so it's taking a character and using code to have them move that's gamification and that is really great to get kids interested but at the end of the day to move from that to being a developer you have to find a middle ground and so i think that's what we are we basically say okay we know how to connect with middle schoolers we know how to make programming relevant for them and so us as teachers are going to connect with them and get them excited and do fun activities in class but at the end of the day, we're actually coding. So they're writing lines of code in class and doing projects that are exciting to them so that they'll want to continue. So it's it's kind of bridging the gap and targeting that specific audience. Mm-hmm. If that does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. Uh, you're saying it sounds like you're saying that you don't want to just give a cartoon reward or something every time they learn a concept. Right. Because okay. I mean, that doesn't happen in Google, I'm sure. Not all the time. Right. Maybe sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but maybe there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not the real world. And I don't want to I don't want to be a reality check for them right. and be like, oh, hey, guys, <laughs> I get back to the, yeah. the hole or something. But but but, okay, you know, I, I want it to be fun for them. But I still want to show them that you can code and do really cool things with just the code. You know, like coding itself is really cool. And so we incorporate activities in class to make it fun for them. Mm-hmm. And our teachers are really fun, too. And I think that adds a huge piece of it. Yeah, your staff is probably a big resource for your yeah. team. And they do it professionally. Yeah. Like, right. you know, I learned programming after college and taught myself. I We have two teachers that are, like, most of our teachers are actually women, which I love. Is that intentional? It's not. But, I mean, I think it's really important to have... I mean, a man and a woman teacher like is important because the kids will look to them as role models. But a lot of our teachers have really interesting careers. One of them was a game, like a game developer, like she created video games. Another is, you know, she taught herself way later in her career and completely pivoted, which I think is great. And I think kids should hear about that. Okay. So you're relying on people and personality and not just gamification and those types of things is gamification a gimmick i don't think it's necessarily a gimmick i think there's the right time and place for there is it. value for it there is i mean scratch and code.org have been monumental in getting kids to code you know i've heard so many great stories of kids that started there and moved on to be programmers and a lot of our kids started there too but then they need something else right they need a next step from there
what is the next step after Python? If a teacher teaches Python, what, what, would, what would the student have to learn next? Do you just let them do whatever they want? So you mean in class? In classes? Yeah, in classes. Or, or like when a student graduates, let's say, from your program oh, sure. or finishes it, how do you connect them to the next thing? Yeah, so, you know, we have different levels of Python, and we like to say that there are, you know, five or six core pieces of Python that we teach, and we don't cover all of them in the first semester, so that's the first piece. You know, we usually dive deeper, but then we talk about how, yeah, we've learned the five or six key pieces of Python, but then the hard part is actually figuring out how they work together and how to use them as tools to build what you want. And so as we move forward, we challenge kids with projects that are harder and seeing, okay, well, how can you make this program more efficient? Because there are so many ways to create a program. It's just, can you do it in the best way possible? And so that's the part I really like um, is saying like, well, I don't know if that's the best way to do it. What do you think? And, and giving them the freedom and, yeah. to figure that out on their own. So you could just keep on making it more advanced. Yeah. All right. And I think having them work together on projects is really exciting too, because that's how, you know, programming works in real life. Each person is responsible for different pieces of code or interacting in, you know, code together. And so I think that's cool as well. What other challenges do you face or do you think you'll face in running this program? I think one of the things that I just think in, in general is a challenge is schools, um, they want to bring programming into their, into their school, into their curriculum, or even after school, but it can be expensive. It is hard to find quality teachers because with programming teachers, they have to be teachers, educators, good communicators, but they also have to know programming. Yeah. And that overlap is pretty hard to find because it's basically saying, hey, you, you have to want to work with kids. You're probably going to take a massive pay cut. And that's, that's hard to find. And, so, and, and schools recognize that. And so how do they navigate that? And they also have a lot of pressure from districts for testing. I mean, there's so many pieces that are higher priority. And so... Do you think that's why more schools don't do what Kiwi Compute does just in the school itself? I have seen a lot of high schools incorporating it, I, which is great. I see a lot more of AP computer science or okay. a computer class where they touch on coding. So I'm seeing it more at the high school level. But I think in middle school, there's too many other factors that they have to, like, yeah. you know, testing or um, cost. So yeah. I think they're doing their... They're aware that they need to be bringing it in, but it's how do they do that. So figuring out how to solve that problem and overcome these barriers. The nice thing is that for Kiwi, we ask our teachers to come for, you know, two to five hours a week. And so they're actually able to manage a, a job, full-time or part-time, while still teaching with Kiwi. So it allows them some balance. So a lot of our teachers, I mean, all of our teachers have full-time jobs in, you know, software development of some kind. And they're a part-time teacher. Exactly. And so, but I, which I think is great because then they can bring that experience to their Kiwi classes and talk about that. 
Um, but to have a full-time teacher come in, you know, say we were at a school and we had a teacher come in 40 hours a week, they can't, they can't work elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so then that poses a challenge. And I know most schools I've talked to, that is the biggest challenge. Um, most schools I found that have programming in their middle school or high school, it's a teacher that was a teacher first, typically, not always, I don't want to say always, but a teacher first that then learned programming and then went to their school and said, hey, we should teach this. Does Kiwi Compute train teachers to do that or that's not what you do? So I would like to. I mean, we've we've talked about, I was telling you about this, we talked about creating an application where teachers could use it and potentially get in front, you know, have more teachers be comfortable Mm -hmm. teaching Python in their classes because I totally get it. It's overwhelming. Where do you start? What do you teach? Which language is best? How do you teach middle schoolers? You have to have a good understanding of the concepts before you can even teach it. And so if there's a way that we can make that easier for teachers, that's, I'd love to get there. It's like a huge goal of mine. Plus, I like your hints about that business model of getting part-time teachers and letting them do other things because I know someone else who's Mm -hmm. in that boat where they teach part-time engineering and then they have their other job Mm -hmm. as well and it seems like that's much more satisfying for this person so right because I've actually I've met a lot of programmers that want to teach kids it's just not what they want to do full-time you know like they're willing to they want to teach they love it they're excited about it and and they either had a mentor growing up that did that for them and they want to give back or they wish they had had a mentor. It's like two ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So they want to be that person for someone else. They want to give back. Yeah. And that's actually how Kiwi started. Marty and I, my co-founder and I both did not learn in college. We both self-taught ourselves after college and it really resonated with us. And so we're like, we want to give that opportunity to every kid. Yeah. So. Well, that's neat. Yeah. It's been great. Do you worry about if in the ideal future all schools do teach coding in middle school? Is Kiwi Compute going to be out of business if, if that happens? Um, I don't worry about it. That's my that's my goal, that's actually. Dream goal? Yeah. Okay, so if cool. we get to that point, I mean, I'd be happy. That would be, I would just pivot to something else because yeah. that would be, I mean, that's what we're working towards, right? So, like, the more companies that do this, the better because then every kid will have a chance a chance to, to code. So I'm totally fine with that. I don't care. I don't, okay. I'm, I'd be happy awesome. if that were the case. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can teach everyone how to do another programming language that nobody yeah. knows about. Or there's some, some new career that hasn't even right. come it hasn't up been yet. Invented yeah, yet. exactly. And yeah. I'll just, Artificial I'll just, intelligence right. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do people find out more about you and about Kiwi Compute? Yeah. So I, well, I always love getting coffee with anyone. So if you are ever, if you ever want to learn more, you can always just email me. So at Julia at KiwiCompute.com. Um, I, I, I love hearing people's thoughts, feedback, just talking about it. Um, We're drinking, we're in a coffee shop right now listening to strange background music, but, um, but that, or you can also go to our website, KiwiCompute.com. We're always looking for partners too. So if you're a school, or nonprofits. I love working with nonprofits. It's like my that's my jam. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? Like you would teach at the oh, nonprofit sure. or Yeah, so we we go to their program and partner with them. I think that's the best cuz they know their kids best, right? And so we will go to them and we pick a group of kids that we'll work with for, you know, 10 to 16 weeks and work with them once a week and teach them Python. Okay, you become part of whatever mm-hmm. 
camp or, or whatever it is that they're exactly. already doing. Okay, that's neat. Yeah, so we're and like then, a portion of their I see. Program. And for a school, you're usually an after-school program or? Yes, we've also done during the day. Okay. So we'll be part of an elective or something where kids can have a, a taste of programming uh, through us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thanks for those details. And sure. so, Julia, uh, I appreciate all those tips and tricks about yeah. teaching Python and CS in general to kids. I'm sure there's lots more we could talk about. <laughs> yeah, um, always. Yeah, so uh, I hope to have you on again sometime. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. This was great. Thanks. Thanks again to Julia Lamorell of Kiwi Compute for speaking. Since recording our conversation, Kiwi Compute had some really good news. They went on to win a business pitch competition from the city of Austin called the Gigatex App Competition. For that app Julia talked about, where people could code in Python over a web browser. As part of their prize, Kiwi Compute will receive $19,000 to help develop that app further. For notes and links related to this episode, including on Kiwi Compute's public Python coding app, you can visit this podcast's website, k12engineering.net. There, you can also find transcripts for episodes. And to help me out, please leave a rating and review of this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Follow the Facebook page and Twitter handle. Finally, you can financially support this show by donating on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash pioslabs. That's patreon.com slash p-i-o-s-l-a-b-s. Our closing music is called Katana by Miros, and you can find more music by Miros on SoundCloud under the username Miros Sound, or just check the show notes for a link. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs. Thanks for listening. Howdy, it is Pius, and I have three post-show updates today. I know, there, there weren't updates for a little while, and it was lacking, but now I got them. One is related to South by Southwest EDU. So as you already heard, if you've been listening to other episodes, I am going to be official press for South by Southwest EDU in March in 2018. Barring any uh, any extenuating circumstances, I'll knock on wood. But I should be there. And we're going to get news real soon on if our submissions to present are accepted or not. And so I can send you some news. Stay tuned on Twitter, on Facebook, or just listen to the next episode to figure out if we got accepted or not and and what we're going to do there. The second update I want to tell you about is that I am working on a programming project. Um, So I actually teach adults uh, some basic math to help them get their high school equivalency diplomas. And so as part of that, I wanted to create a tool for them and for other students to help them visualize number operations, like not just adding, subtraction, uh, but also multiplying and division, uh, squaring, that kind of thing, negative numbers. Because oftentimes, yeah, you can memorize your times tables and whatever, but it might be hard to think about what those operations really mean to physical things. And I like using the analogy to money and debt and profit and stuff all the time, but there's more than that, that monetary way of thinking about numbers. 
So I'm hopefully going to create a tool to help people visualize positive and negative numbers and the operations on them soon. And I want to share it with listeners, uh, Patreon supporters, all that kind of stuff. And so listen in if you want to be updated on that. The third update I want to tell you about is I recently looked up how to live stream over on Twitch and a little bit on YouTube and other platforms. But I've joined Twitch. It's that service that a lot of people use to stream gaming and video games live. Uh, but there's a trend for coders and programmers to show off their programming live, especially if they are doing open source projects. And so I'm thinking about doing that as well, just for my own learning. Uh, but also, when I create games and web apps and tools, I plan to demo them on Twitch as well as on YouTube and other sources. And if you're a teacher, maybe you might consider doing some videos on Twitch. I think it's a cool idea. But that's all I wanted to tell you. I'm thinking about all these things. And please tune in next time.